0: Welcome folks to another edition of Opinions All Day and this week I will be covering why the Milwaukee Bucks will be the leaders in the Eastern Conference come playoff time and another Draymond Green incident. Another suspension. I'll explain my thoughts on that. why Draymond Green needs some serious help and why his career not only with the Warriors but maybe potentially in the league could be cut short because at some point the league needs to be harsh on Draymond and to quit giving him excuses when he does something blatantly wrong. We will get to that later on. And then my guy Cam Newton made some comments during the week on the game managers at quarterback in the NFL. He got a lot of pushback from media members. As usual, Cam Newton getting treated, disrespected. People just forget what he used to be. And what he has accomplished and what he can still do, I believe, in the NFL. Because there are teams that he could help right now. So, we'll get into that later on. But I start off the show with Brandon Staley fired. And Tom Telesco, the general manager, fired after the Chargers got blasted. 63 to 21 on Thursday night football the worst loss in franchise history got Brandon Staley canned and it feels great it feels great Dean Spanos released the statement And, you know, I get it. Uh, Most of the fan base is not a fan of Dean, the Spanish family in general, because you have the San Diego move, which, to be fair, wasn't all all one-sided. I mean, there were, you know, other issues too, so we're not going to get into that and, you know, break that down today. But Dean, you know... He makes a lot of questionable decisions of letting his family run the team, which is always a bad idea. I don't like it. You know, mom and pop shops are nice. but When you're trying to run a football team, having your or any sports franchise, it doesn't really work. It's a it's a mess. It's drama filled. It's housewives of the NFL. It's a joke. It's reality TV. I don't like it. And it needs to end from Dean's involvement, Alex, his son, John, his other son. First step in that is getting rid of the GM, Tom Telesco, who is around way too long, nine years, Nine years and horrible draft after horrible draft. And I know he drafted a bunch of good guys in the first two rounds pretty much every year. But the rest of those drafts, if you were just, I'm not going to sit here and do it right now. But if you were to go through all those drafts that Tom Telesco produced, it was horrible. Letting them go was good. Letting him, letting Tom Telesco go is a big deal. In terms of who we may potentially hire. Because we need a serious head coach to come in here and change the mindset of this football team. Which over the last couple of years, over the last couple of head coaches, probably longer than that, has been contaminated with mediocre to just flat out pathetic football. Pathetic results. Results when you have top tier quarterbacks on your roster. And people say coaching you know, is overrated. No, it's not. You gotta have a leader on the sideline that can give guidance when needed. And can organize a team. It can't just be the quarterback. Now the quarterback needs to be a leader too. We've seen some of the good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks be leaders. But it also takes the head coach. And Brandon Staley clearly was not a leader. Over and over again. Blown leads. Now the Chargers you know, are historically known for that. We are known to be that team. No one to be that franchise. We're the AFC version of the Vikings. But the Chargers need a new heck coach. Brandon Staley needed to go. The Spanos family had no other choice. Tom Telesco needed to go. And Dean Spanos' statement that he released on Friday morning when Staley got fired and Tom Telesco at the end of his statement, which you know, most of these are filled with fluff, word salads, not saying much of anything. And you can go on the team's Twitter page and go read it for yourself, but I'm gonna read you the ending part here, the last couple sentences. That does speak some volumes. And it's somewhat promising. He said, quote, Our fans have stood strong through so many ups and downs and close games. They deserve more. Frankly, they've earned more. Building, maintaining a championship caliber program remains our ultimate goal. And re-engineering how we achieve that goal begins today, end quote. So that statement, the ending, after all the fluff, after all the typical statements that get released after a coach is fired. There is only one direction that makes sense. In terms of heck coaches. In terms of how we organize the team. We need a GM and and a head coach that know each other, that understand each other, that involves getting an established GM and an established head coach. That's what you need, a head coach with experience, not these first-time head coaches to where it turns into a waiting game where it turns into a guessing game when it turns into a, a pretty much an experiment on huh, wonder if this coach works wonder if Mike McCoy works. Oh, oh, I wonder if that running back coach Anthony Lynn, I wonder if he works. I wonder if that supposed defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, which I still don't know if he even coached defense. Like did he actually work for the Rams? Was he literally the Rams coordinator? If he did, he was only there for a year. Like, he hasn't really... If you go through his resume, if you look over Brandon Staley's resume, he hasn't been coaching defense for a very long time. Like, seven years total, if you compile all of it. He didn't play defense when he played football. He was a quarterback. So, like, it's still baffling to me that he even got the job to begin with. No, it's been baffling that Anthony Lynn was the head coach. The media awkwardly tries to spin and control that, but you can make the case. Anthony Lynn and Mike Brandon Staley are literally the same coach, but with different issues. So we need a head coach that has guts, that has a direction, that has a backbone. because we've brought in a bunch of coaches recently that don't have a backbone, that don't have a plan, that are not strong-minded and can get through difficult situations. Because we can't have these Ned Flanders head coaches that just want to tell guys what they want to hear. And also, baked in, you have Brandon Staley, now and now you're hearing all the reports that he was, you know, trying to be the smartest guy in the room. You don't need that either from your head coach, especially from a guy that's still proving it on the fly and hasn't pr- and and was coming off a 27 nothing choke job. I mean, it was a team effort. Wasn't all him, but also you're the head coach. You're the defensive coordinator. You're calling the defensive plays. And your defense quit numerous times, or choked numerous times throughout your tenure. I mean, it wasn't all just about Thursday night and this and this season and that playoff game against that stupid team it starts back when he, his first season in 2021 when you look at some of these losses like at baltimore week 6 that year in 2021 we came at, into that game unprepared Unprepared to play, and that was coming off a big, big explosion against the Browns, forty-seven, forty-two. Herbert had a big game. He brought he four hundred yards. He cooked all afternoon in that game, and then you turn around the next game, unprepared to play. Unprepared. Then the week after that, you play the Patriots. Remember. Up until that 6 nothing Diarrhea Express we had to deal with a couple weeks ago. We hadn't beaten the Patriots since 2008. We hadn't beaten the Patriots at Patriots since 2005. They owned us. We came into that game off of a bye week and get our ass kicked again by the Patriots final score was 27-24 but realistically we were down 27-14 late in that game until we scored a bunch of garbage touchdowns which you know didn't really matter then we smacked the Eagles before they were the Eagles big game by Herbert again as usual becomes a trend Herbert bailing out the team. Beat the Eagles. Fall to Minnesota. Unprepared to play. 27-20. Great game against Pittsburgh. Remember that game? Sunday Night Football. Herbert, big game again. 400 yards almost. Right on the three, 382. Big game by Herbert. He was the leading rusher in that game. Hmm. Future shows. Shows itself. At Denver, bam, right on the money. Unprepared to play again. You get cooked by whoever was the quarterback for the Broncos. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, one of the two. You get annihilated. Unprepared to play again. Unprepared. Then you turn around. There was no uh, show back then, obviously. But I was thinking heading into that game against the Bengals who were, you know, a surprise team at that juncture. You know, I was like, ooh, we are going to get our ass kicked. We are going to get run off the field. The Bengals are going to blow us up. We're going to get blown out of the building. It's going to be a nightmare. And then we come out 4122 Herbert lights him up. 317 yards. And Burrow turns the ball over like three or two times, whatever it was. Herbert, yeah, you remember, is 1-0 against Joe Burrow, everyone's favorite quarterback ever. He's an ex Tom Brady I've heard from some people. That's how great Joe Burrow is. But yet Herbert's 1-0 and carried a team into Joe Burrow's palace and got it done. Like, we always hear that Justin Herbert can't rise and shine. He did. Blow out the Giants the next game. Close loss again. Chiefs, 2021, the return game. Because remember, earlier in that year, we went on the road and beat the Chiefs. Herbert, game-winning touchdown drive. Supposedly, he's on clutch. Staley's defense gave up 24 points. And then on the return game, back in L.A., 34-28 overtime. Travis Kelsey, right on schedule, was wide freaking open. Marched right down the field. And listen, I was giving Brandon Staley, since it was his first season, the benefit of the doubt. I was like, you don't have your guys yet, that's fair, fair." I, I gave him that the first year. Every coach deserves that, like I don't like this idea, this concept of, you know, firing a coach year after year after year, after one year, you can't do that for one year unless it's just a nightmare, then sure. But I do believe we got to give coaches a chance. So I believe three years is good enough. The first year, I wasn't blaming him necessarily. I wasn't I was wanting to make the playoffs, don't get it twisted. You always want to make the playoffs, no matter what, because you got to learn somehow some way. So he loses the Chiefs in heartbreaking fashion, which turned into a trend with Staley. And then this one still just sticks in my head, and I brought it up over and over again. Was the day after Christmas massacre coming off that Chiefs loss? And then we just get oh my god, we get crapped on by Rex Burkhead. Rex freaking Burkhead, who I I, I don't even know if he plays football anymore. Day after Christmas, a nightmare after Christmas. And he just pounds us into the ground. He had, what, 129 yards or whatever the hell it was. He had a big, nice, big runs. Strong runs. He was bulldozing the defense. The run defense was horrendous that first year. It was horrendous every single damn year. It's been bad this season. It's been bad every year with Staley. That's ever... If you can't, if you get run over by Rex Burkhead, that's a soft football team. You're a pathetic, soft excuse for a football team. If you're letting Rex Burkhead—and I'm not even saying it because he's white—because you let a, I mean, that just adds salt on the wound. You just let a white running back run you over, a dude who works looks like he could be working at a 7-Eleven. You let him. Run you over, run you out of the building in freaking Houston. Like, there were more Charger fans than Texans fans. Like, the Texans were done. They were pathetic that game or that season. They had freaking Davis Mills at quarterback, and you get torched. And Davis Mills had a big game, too. I think I, I, he had over 300 yards. I mean, he was cooking. That game was, you know, a little concerning to me because. The team had a lot of good moments, and they usually beat the teams they were supposed to beat. But they just crapped out in that game. And then, you know, we come back, Broncos at home, Broncos, it's a division game, it's always going to be tough. But then we pounded them, 34-13, so that was promising, okay, we're back on track. Maybe we can still make the playoffs. There was that big Mike Williams touchdown. Herbert launched it again. We just need a coach that can let him throw the ball deep. Damn. So pathetic. But um then we got that de facto playoff game. Vegas, the Raiders, the JV Raiders. The infamous should we go for the tie? We both make the playoffs. And then, you know, the Raiders had an interim coach. Can remember the John Gruden controversy, scandal that rocked the league. That exposed John Gruden, his emails. Who knows who else was in that that we don't know about. But he got exposed. He got fired. He got canned. They brought in that... I forgot the guy's name now, but they had an interim coach. And he said, we we were willing to tie with the Chargers. Supposedly, that's what he claimed. Easy to say when you win. But, you know, we all know that we're rivals. The rivalry. We all know the rivalry that the Chargers, you know, and the JV Raiders have. And what it means. So, I didn't really care about tying with the Raiders I want to make the playoffs I don't want them to make it I don't care what they want like for example I hope they hire Antonio Pierce I hope that 63 21 shellacking that beatdown, that diarrhea express that it was that punking, that beating we took. I hope the uh, Pierce gets hired. And no disrespect to Pierce, he might. I mean, I have no issues with him at all. But like, I just, <laughs> the Raiders keep making bad decisions at head coach. At, at head coach, when they have an opportunity to go upward, and the more mistakes they make, the, the better we are. Because they keep winning, they're trying to lose too, and we keep tanking. And we're going to get a higher draft pick and hopefully bring in a veteran head coach and see what they can do with it. But Staley had so many bad losses. Herbert made so many damn plays in that Raiders game. Like, he brought him back. We were down 28-14 late in the game, five minutes left. Herbert goes... Fourth down conversion, fourth down conversion, deep ball to Mike Williams, touchdown, and then he did it again. No one talks about that performance because he lost, unfortunately, because the defense and play calling, decision making early on in that game was horrendous. Going for it in fourth down on your own twenty-eight trend, saw it again numerous times. But then you run the worst plan on planet Earth. You run up. H back draw. <laughs> I remember it, and then the Raiders—we just couldn't stop Josh Jacobs all after. I mean, all game we couldn't stop him. But Herbert was freaking Superman in that game. So, the first year set the stage for what we were going to get the rest of the way. Herbert needing to be Superman—that's the way. That was the formula. That was the only way. Brandon Staley. Was going to win. Just hey Herbert. Go figure it out. There's not really going to be much of a plan. There's not going to be much of a plan. Come back. And let us know how it goes. So the second year. We beat the Raiders 24-19. You know. The Raiders, you know, they had a lot of hype. You know, they still had Derek Carr, who looked good the year before, who just beat us. They added Devontae Adams, and, you know, they had a pretty good team. Renfro, their defense wasn't great, as usual. But, you know, I, that was a good win, because I, I thought our defense played pretty good in that game. Then you had the J.C. Jackson fiasco, the controversy. We signed him. I was excited I was so excited. I remember seeing that notification, and I was like, We got a lockdown corner. We got a guy. We got a guy that can shut down a, a, a game. We got a guy that can make some plays. We got a guy that can shut down top receivers and, you know, that can teach or sort of set an, an example for Asante Samuel Jr., who I thought was ascending, but then apparently not. Apparently he has fallen out of what he was progressing as. Because he was, you know, headed, trending in the right direction. In his rookie year, I thought he played pretty good. 2022, I thought he played pretty good. He, 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 he had trouble with, with Devontae Adams in the first game. The last year of uh, of 2022 but anyone's gonna have issues with devontae adams there's no shame in that so i didn't make a big deal about that performance but it was a good win then the turnaround at chiefs quick turnaround thursday night football everyone rem- remembers this game when the referees and listen 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 Everyone knows since I've been doing this show, since we've started, I don't blame the referees. I don't like to blame the referees when we lose. I don't agree with it. I don't agree with doing that, but there were some horrendous calls in that game, blatant pass interference. That the Chiefs got away with. In that game. Go look it up. There's videos all over the place. Bladen reviews that were screwed up. Asante Samuel Jr. had like two or three interceptions. A potential pick. Well he dropped one. He should have had a pick six and he just dropped it. But that's his fault. But then there were two where he could have changed that game and then Herber got his ribs cracked because the offense line, what did I tell you? Will Clapp had to come into that game because Corey Lindsey got hurt again. Now, I mean, I'm not saying he can control injuries, but he got hurt again. He got hurt again, and you can't have that when, you pay, when you're paying guys all that money because availability matters. If you don't show up to your job out there in normal world, you will face some consequences that aren't good. And when you don't show up, if you're constantly... There's always knick-knack injuries or always some other excuse. You will not be on the team. Corey Lindsey, ne- there needs to be a serious discussion about bringing him back Because I don't believe he's worth it. I really don't. He's just not. I don't think he is. He's not worth it. Are you kidding me? It's not worth it. He missed the rest of this season. He's missing the rest of this season because of a health issue. Availability matters. Availability matters. So in that game, that was bad. Herbert got his ribs cracked, Lindsey out. Allen was out for that game, I believe. So that was a tough game. Mike Williams had a big game. He had 113 yards. But So Herbert has 10 days, ribs cracked. He didn't practice a lot leading up to that game against the Jaguars, that crappy team from Jacksonville. I'll give him credit though Doug Patterson's a hell of a coach. He had that team ready to go. They pounced on us. 38 to 10. Herbert had no business playing in that game. And 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 that I blame the coaching staff on that because Herbert had no reason. You you got to protect the players. I believe the medical staff deserves blame for that because it made the rest of the season for Herbert worse. Like, it definitely impacted its stats. Everyone, you know, you hear all these morons on national TV on these shows during the week. They just totally gloss over how big of a deal that is. When you have a rib injury, that's a pretty big damn, a damn deal. That's a big damn deal. Not a single person brought it up. No one did. Not very many. There were a few here and there. But if we're talking about the big ones, and you guys know who I'm talking about, we're not gonna name them today. They never brought it up. Hell no, they don't. Cause that would ruin the narrative on Joe Burrow and you know Trevor Lawrence and all these damn quarterbacks we hear about, CJ Stroud. You know, they're all playing they're good in their ways, but they just you just make it seem like Justin Herbert's not that guy. And and we'll get into more of what Thursday night proved in a little bit here. On the rebound game at Houston, we outshoot the Texans 34-24. Herbert had a big game, 340. Big win. Mike Williams had 120 in that game. So that was a good win. Uh, the defense didn't play great. We, let, we were up 24-7 and we let the Texans kind of sneak back in the game and make it a little uncomfortable, make the score look a little closer. Then we play at Cleveland, and oof, this was basically the Vikings game from this season. Pretty sure everyone remembers the Browns. We get a pick, a Gilman. I don't know what. Uh, the Browns head coach was doing or what the Browns offensive coordinator was thinking. But they, you know, were running us out of the building, the Browns. Nick Chubb on the first drive took it to the house, what, 50 yards? Or the first run or whatever it was, was it like a 50-yard gain? I mean, Nick Chubb Ran wild all game. Kareem Hunt ran wild all game. They were smacking us all afternoon. Exposing our soft run defense. And then we get late in the game. Alohi Gilman gets that pick. All afternoon, the Browns. Were running us off the field. And then, and then they quit throwing the football. They let Jacoby Brissett. Throw the football. Like they quit running the ball. I was like what the hell. So then you know it's a shootout game. We go back and forth. Then we go late in the fourth quarter. And I'm pretty sure everyone had a damn heart attack. When this happened. This was like I said a minute ago. The Vikings game from this year. We have a chance to put the freaking game away by punting the football after the defense made some key plays. Gilman got that pick after Brissett threw it right to him in the end zone. We could have sealed the deal, but we couldn't run the ball consistently. We were not a downhill type of team. We were outside a finesse run scheme. Eckler had his moments. He only had two rushing games. This was his best game. He only had two games over 100 yards last season against the Browns and the Rams. And we quit running the ball. We threw a stupid, difficult sideline pass to Mike Williams that he caught. Like, we made the closing minutes of that game so damn difficult. Like, I've never seen a team in position to win a game. All you have to do is run the ball. Your running game is hot. Just go away from it. You go away from it. Crap like that was nonsense. It drove me up a wall. And it drove all of you up a wall. And then we go for a fourth down for no freaking reason. Instead of just punting the ball, putting the game in danger, All the Browns needed was a field goal to win the game. It was 30 to 28. That was the final score. Instead of punting the football and making Jacoby Brissett, who was ice cold all of a sudden, who turned into a pumpkin, we blow it. We almost blow it. We almost blow that game. Brandon Saley and Joe Lombardi agree that we should go for and fourth down instead of just punting the ball, like a normal head coach. Instead of punting the football and just saying, "Hey, you know, let's make Jac- Jacoby Brissett beat us," instead of just handing the game away. And we just tried our best to give it away. We tried our damn best to give it away. You can't do that if you're trying to be a serious team. And if your head coach is serious. Like, what are we doing? So we get cooked the first couple of plays. The Browns get in field goal position. Keenan Allen on Twitter because Keenan was hurt for this game the hamstring injury that he suffered in week one he tweets out WTF are we doing and I'm like yeah right there with him what the f- flip are we doing what the flip are we doing I'm Just shaking my head I'm like what are we doing this is so dumb then we got the Dustin Hopkins Memorial game OT, the Seahawks, you know, I thought we could beat that team. And and I understand Juno Smith was having a resurgence. He was rising up. He was rising from the dead. Because, you know, he was an afterthought. He was a joke with the Jets. He was a backside joke with the Jets. Bounced around the different teams. Got to Seattle. And people were making fun of the Seahawks for putting him as starting quarterback over Russell Wilson. Listen, I think Russell Wilson's overrated. I think he's been overrated his entire career, Did you watch last night's game. When you play against a real team, when you play against a real team and have a bunch of tomato cans, including us, you look pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. You look pretty damn bad. You look pretty damn bad. What did I say? But anyway, back on track. We got cooked by Juno Smith. That's not a good sign. If your coach. Is a legitimate. Defensive genius. Which was what we were sold. When Staley came through the door. When he came through those doors. Everyone said. He was a genius. He was going to. You know change the game, change football, and instead he ran us into the ground. Seahawks game was a train wreck, 37-23, they ran the ball, Kenneth Walker the third, he had a huge game, he was a rookie, and then Metcalf left the game in the first quarter, so it wasn't like he torched us. Then our prized free agent, J.C. Jackson, who was getting cooked all year, and then that, just nonsensical routine knee procedure he had after the training camp, which is ridiculous. Which pissed me off. Just ridiculous. A guy you're paying eighty-two million, all this had all this time before training camp. After he signed with the damn team, he needed a routine knee procedure. And then he gets hurt. Bur- he didn't. I mean, I'm not blaming him for that. But blows his knee out. Out for the year. And then we go to Atlanta. Beat them. Close game. Got lucky if you got lucky in that one. Should have lost to the freaking Falcons and Arthur Smith and Desmond Ritter. Then we go on the road at 49ers. And Herbert played pretty good in this game. That was a tough physical game. He was getting knocked around and beat up. Because the offensive line was horrible. Will Clapp had to fill in a few times. And Storm Norton was out there as well. And he was... a Talk about building a team. You try to go cheap on the O-line. And I'm telling you... Get your quarterback killed. Herbert got pounded. He's been pounded his whole, whole career. So we lose a close game with all of our... Like his leading receiver was was Carter, De'Andre Carter, 64 yards. Where's he at now? Then you barely get past the Cardinals. We should have lost that game because stupid Cliff Kingsbury. James Conner, I mean, remember him? He ran us off the field all afternoon. I thought we were going to lose that game. And then they, they started throwing the ball. They started letting Kyla Murray throw the football, and that's a disaster, and that happens. I mean, Kyle Murray is a video game away from being out of the league. They go away from running, and they blow that game. Then we turn around the week after that, and we lose to the Raiders. We just came out again, unprepared to play. Got down early in the game. Herbert had no time to throw. Jerry Tillery, after we cut his ass, that punk, that P.O.S., That POS that he is. He has a big game. Of course, the best game of his damn career. After he didn't do anything the first few years, two or three years since 2019. He has the one good game of his career against us. That dirty player that he is. Horrible teammate. So we lose that game. Max Crosby had a big game. That starts the trend. Then we go and play Miami. The high-flying Tua turnover Dolphins. Led by Mike McDaniel. The puppet master. Who's a great offensive genius. I believe he's made Tua into a quarterback. Along with Tyree Kill. With what we're analyzing and what we've been talking about, the trend continues because they come out of nowhere against the high-flying Dolphins. And I thought we were going to lose this game because Derwin James was hurt. There were key guys on that defense that were hurt. And also the Dolphins, they're a good offense. Tua makes smart plays because Tyreek Hill makes them look good. And Jalen Waddell. Herbert had a huge game, 367. To a play like crap. He had a, the worst, one of the worst QBRs in league history. Williams, 116 yards. The meal, Austin Eckler, 45. We win that game 23 17. Herbert looked amazing. Made clutch plays, clutch plays. But the defense did play well. That was their one good game of year. Staley had, whether it was playing tomato cans, shitty teams, they looked good then he would give you one decent defensive performance a year against a good team, against a playoff caliber team. <laughs> you can't have that. That's not consistent enough. And then we beat the Titans in a close game, 17-14. to 14. Herbert had a tough day. He did have 313 yards. The Titans just play like crap, in my opinion. They made some horrible decisions because they had Malik Willis playing a good portion of that game. Tannehill got hurt. Tannehill leaving leading up to that game, um, that injury was looking pretty good. Like he was making plays. He was out there having fun. Then he got hurt. Uh, Willis is a horrible quarterback. Then they got the Colts. At Colts, Colts are horrendous. They were done. They had Jeff Saturday coaching in the team. We went in there and did it enough to win the game. Day after Christmas, guys probably wouldn't really focus. We're playing the freaking Colts, but we had a playoff spot on the line. We got the win twenty to three. It wasn't pretty. Then we came home. New Year's Day against the Rams, and we blew them out. 31 ten. Big game from Herbert and Eckler had his second 100-yard game. Williams had a couple touchdowns. And then this is where the crap starts to happen. We play at Denver. Meaningless game. We have a playoff spot locked up. Playoff spot is locked up. Sealed and delivered. We are good. No one has to play against the Broncos. The Broncos could beat us a million to a nothing. The Broncos could be us a million to nothing, and it would not matter a bit. So the logical solution was for our coach, Brandon Staley, right? The logical move would be to rest your players. At maximum, they play the first quarter, part of the second quarter. After that, you yank them out of the game. They're not playing much. There's no reason for them to play the whole rest of the game. Because injuries will ruin it. And what happened? This team already gets hurt to begin with. Mike Williams already has an injury passed. That's the size of Al Capone's rap sheet. Crimes. Mike Williams is injured quite often. I know he can't control all of that. But you got to be kidding me. Mike Williams gets injured out essentially the rest of the season. And then you go into the playoffs against the Jaguars team, that stupid team. You're up twenty seven nothing. Played really well. Asante Samuel Jr. was playing out of his mind. Staley, the defense, looked good. Some of that, is, I believe, was Lawrence making mistakes, really horrible mistakes that you just can't make, and I believe that's why he you got to put him down a peg because he put that team in a hole in a big, big way. Samuel had some good plays, and then Herbert made some key plays to get us in the lead. But also, we weren't finishing drives on offense. We, could, we Instead of trying to win the damn game, we went into conservative mode and tried to run the clock out when Eckler only had two 100-yard games the whole year. That made no sense. And that's why I've said it over and over again. And I will repeat it as long as we discuss Brandon Staley, which I hope is not very much because I'm not going to. I just can't. Can't do it. He has so much control over this offense, it's not even funny. Like, it's not even funny. He has so much control. Everyone thinks I'm crazy for saying it, but I don't believe I am. I believe he runs a significant portion of that offense He wants it done a certain way. I believe whoever his coordinator is, no matter who it is, he tells them what they can do. He looks over the play sheet and he puts down what he wants done and then that's it. Because some of the crap that we see on play calling from Lombardi to Calamora has been horrendous. And the second half of that stupid playoff game, it was horrendous. Everything got the shit. The defense turned the shit. The shitty defense that it was. And then the offense was just a freaking mess. Like, I don't know what we were doing. It was like a weird. It's like some dude that was playing Madden for the first time that had no damn clue what to do. Like, it was horrendous. That's why I questioned: had this dude ever coached the ball before? <laughs> so that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. One of the worst losses in not even, just forget our history. One of the worst NFL playoff losses in league history. That was bad. Staley, and I said it after that game. I said it to my friends when I was watching that game. He needed to be left at the stadium. He should have been banned from coming on the team plane. They should have just thrown his crap out. Because this dude blew it. When you have a 27 nothing lead, sure, the players deserve blame too because they're the ones on the field. But to let Brandon Staley off the freaking hook is a damn joke. He's not getting off the hook for that, and he should have been kicked out the door after that. The Spanos family, and listen, I give him credit for, I guess, getting it right for the time being by cutting Tom Telesco. And cutting bait with Staley. That's the obvious. I mean. We're giving him credit for something that they should have done, done. A year ago. They should have finished him off. After that playoff game. That playoff game was a freaking embarrassment. Total embarrassment. Total. Embarrassment. One of the worst losses I've ever experienced in watching football, let alone the Chargers have had, I mean, we've had heartbreaking losses over and over again, so it wasn't that shocking that it happened. That's why I kept saying to my friends watching that game, we needed to finish it. Finish the deal. Step on their neck. When you got a team down, you've got to step on them finish them off. Quit playing with your food. You can't have that. You can't be screwing up games. The stats, the numbers don't know what's going on in the actual game. You're in the game. You are watching the game. You n- know how it's going. Not reading the room. You're just going with whatever the math, the calculator tells you what to do. That's not how it works. Anyone knows that. Now, I'm I- I'm not a football coach. That's his basic sense. This coach had no idea how to follow basic concepts, just fundamentals of football. It's so baffling. I've never seen anything like it before. And then you go into this season where we just suffered through, and I've rehashed it every damn week, I'm not going to go through every single one of these, but I'll go through the major ones. I mean, you got the Dolphins game right off the bat. Defense got shredded. Tua had over 400 yards. Big, big game. Career high. And Tyreek Hill, who Staley knows. Everyone in in the NFL should have a poster of Tyreek Hill, a photograph of Tyreek Hill in their locker room. Every Every defensive player should know who he is. Every coaching staff should know who Tyreek Hill is. Because every time I watch Tyreek Hill play, more often than not, he's always wide open. I know he's fast. I know he's the fastest man, arguably, in the U.S. Who knows? He can fly. He just shreds people to death. But you gotta have a scheme. You don't have to put just one guy on him. Just saying. You can put more than one guy on him. You can be creative. And I only know and, and listen, I I know there's only so much creativity you can do. But damn, two hundred and fifteen yards some of that's scheming and some of that is also most of it is Effort. Come on, guys. You can't let one dude go off for 215 yards and just make you look silly all afternoon. That was our, and also that was our best running performance of the year, 248 yards. And after that, we never sniffed that. Running game was crap the rest of the way after that. Eckler. 117 yards. That was his by far his best performance. The second best rushing performance was 75 yards from Joshua Kelly, and that was against that blowout loss against the Chiefs in Week Six, Cowboys game, 20-17. Bad to Herbert. Yeah, it wasn't great in that game. But the offensive line shat itself. Because Will Clapp was the starting center, that was his first full game after Lindsey went down out for the season. Then we beat the Bears, beat Tomato Cans, the Jets. Then that's when the season started. After that, Jets win on Monday Night Football. Everyone got all excited. Eight sacks as a team. Eight sacks. Woohoo! We lose (laughs) to the Lions. Herbert had a huge game, 323 yards, led us on a game-winning touchdown drive. No running game, again. Non-existent. Allen had a big game, 175 yards. And we lose. Detroit goes right down Main Street, just like the Chiefs have done it over and over again in every other competent offense. They win the game, kick a field goal, and uh, they they get out of town. When we should have won that game, Herbert did it, so we fall to four and five at that point. Then we go to pet to the Packers, and you know, Jordan Love at that juncture was a quarterback. The Green Bay was about to run out of town because the discussion at that point was. Okay, well, the Packers need a new quarterback. (laughs) Right on schedule, what do we do? We are what the doctor ordered. Our defense is the medicine that makes the headache go away. Whatever headache you have, whatever is aching you, whatever is bothering you, we fix it. The Chargers fix it. If you have a banged-up knee... You're gonna fix it. If you have a horrible defense, if your quarterback's struggling, if your offensive line's struggling, if your passing game hasn't gone gotten anything done the whole year, if you're on the if if we're on the schedule, you're gonna look good. Every damn quarterback, except if you're the Bears' backup quarterback or whoever they throw out there, and then the Jets outside of Aaron Rodgers. And then the Patriots later down the line, you don't have a chance. So we lose to the Packers. Jordan Love has a big game. The receivers in that game couldn't catch the football to save their lives. Quentin Johnson, the biggest bust I've ever seen, a freaking disappointment. And I know it's only his first year still. He still has he, – he, he he's already done, okay? This, side, this make-believe story that he's just going to turn into – a superstar and can turn it around and match where he was drafted as a first-round pick. Dude was a first-round pick. Let's not forget that first receiver on the board. Now I know he can't control where he where he gets drafted but what comes with the territory is wherever you get drafted you've got to meet the expectations and the expectations Are that you meet the goals and meet the expectations of what a top receiver draft pick is supposed to be? And listen, I'm not expecting Quentin Johnson to be perfect. He's going to drop passes once in a while, sure. But the rate he was dropping passes and just how clueless he looked on a football field, how petrified he looked, was horrible. He had a chance to score a wide-open touchdown to slam the door shut on the Packers, on the Packers who were flailing, who were about done for the season. We allowed them to gain confidence and go on a mini-win streak, win streak. On a mini-win streak. We did that. We cure anything, whatever you got. So the Packers won that game. We just crap it away. Ravens, uh, I thought we were going to get, I I thought the Ravens were going to mop the floor of us. But uh, 20 to 10, Zay Flowers, a receiver we could have drafted. He had two touchdowns and had a nice play to finish off the night. And so that was miserable. And I was also Jason Garrett, just miserable to listen to. Then we go out on the road to the Patriots. Haven't won there since 2005. It was raining. Horrendous weather conditions. A crappy day. And a crappy game. It was the Diarrhea Express. That game was flat out horrendous. The watch. It was miserable. Offense could not get going. Quentin Johnson... Yeah, he led the way with, um, with drops again. Herbert threw it right on the money to him for a big play. And he dropped the ball. You can't do that. If the ball hits you in the hands. Same thing against the Packers. Catch it. Catch it, dude. It's so damn simple. It's so irritating to me. Catch it. And I know it's not easy. I. Don't I definitely can't do what these guys do, but it's basic stuff. All you got to do is stop trying to catch it with your body. It's obvious what you're doing. That's what I do when I'm drunk, trying to catch a football. Or even when I'm sober, trying to catch a football in general. That's what I do, and I don't play football you're the number one receiver overall taken in the draft whether those expectations are fair or not you have them on you you have to abide by it you didn't abide by it so then that t- spiraled out of control that mean got that the game was a crap fest two field goals in the second quarter by Cameron uh, Dicker <sighs> Then we know what happened against the Broncos. The area of responsibility of this GM and head coach manifested once again. Herbert got hurt, knocked out of the game. Play calling on offense is bad. After we got, actually got a turnover from Michael Davis, we got a key big play by Michael Davis out of nowhere, and we pissed it away. Couldn't get it in the end zone. Could can't run the ball with the meal. Austin Eckler, who had a grand total of 51 yards. Week before against the Patriots, he had 18. (laughs) Just pathetic. Um, So we lose to the Broncos. Herbert out for the rest of the season. Because the offensive line, and I said it leading up, when Will Clapp went down that injury, I said it over and over again. Herbert's going to get hurt. We have to bring someone else in. We had a chance in the bye week right after Lindsay got hurt. We could have brought guys in the tryout. No, we didn't even do that. We didn't bother because we just we just said, no, we'll Clapp and figure it out. When We've seen enough from Will Clapp and sprinkles the years before to when, when he was at center, the offensive line was a crap fest. They were horrible. It was a mess. Herbert got nailed. That's how he got his rib injury against the Chiefs. Will it to step in. It's not pretty. And we literally, this stupid GM and this stupid head coach, keep him on and you let him play the whole rest of the season. And you're sitting here wondering, why doesn't Justin Herbert get anything done? Because he has no freaking time to throw the ball. <laughs> And then, and then, we that, that's just what you get. And then you, you got what you got on Thursday night, 63-21. I mean, we're so damn pathetic. Your backup quarterback's been on the team for five years, since 2019. And you're expecting that to keep you afloat for the playoffs. And technically, I know we have like a negative, like a 0.5% chance, but it's just ridiculous. So, Brandon Staley deserved to be fired. He deserved it. And that squashes the conspiracy theory, that stupid, false narrative, that crackhead, crackpot conspiracy theory that Justin Herbert is the problem. Of the Chargers, like that he's the reason the Chargers don't win enough games. That is the biggest bunch of baloney that can be spread out there. That's horrendous. If you still think that after after watching that game on Thursday night, if you still believe that, and there are some that do believe that, whatever. Some of it's for an act. But if you actually honestly believe that, if you're swallowing that narrative still then I don't know what else to tell you you obviously don't watch the Chargers the only times you see them are when they pop on the red zone when you're just flipping through the channels you don't actually watch the team because Herbert and the Dolphins game was not the problem defense got shredded Titans Defense let Ryan Tannehill have the best game of his career. 20 of 24. Are you freaking kidding me? The TV broadcast is chuckling. You almost blow it against the Vikings after Herbert put up 405 yards behind a shitty offensive line. Like The expectation for Herbert is to make lemonade with garbage. You can't make lemonade with garbage. Chick fil A, I can tell you for a fact with their lemonade, they don't make it with garbage. They use awesome ingredients. Probably not healthy for you, but it tastes damn good. The Chargers are trying to make lemonade with garbage on the offensive line. It's hard to do that. When you don't have all the ingredients, that's not going to work. And the expectation for Justin Herbert just to get over it is not not, not a fair argument. Because no other quarterback has to deal with this. And don't give me Joe Burrow because he has his college teammate, an offensive-driven head coach, and, it, it is, and it is not under the control of a head coach, former head coach now, Brandon Staley, who was a control freak. He thought he was the smartest guy in the room. No other coach, no other quarterback, no other quarterback has a deal of it. Because what is Brandon Staley, what was he good at? Nothing. The only thing he was good at was BSing the media and BSing his way into getting his job because he says all the right stuff. That's what he's good at. Nothing else. The dude is a Ned Flanders, smooth-talking head coach. That That is what he is. He's full of it. Full of it. So, listen, I mean, no one likes the team getting beat 63-21. No one should be rooting for losses. The rest of the games here, the rest of the way, Bills, Broncos, Chiefs, It's going to be horrendous. It's going to be horrendous. It's going to be bad. Okay? Like the interim coach, Jeb Smith, good luck. Because more than half the team has checked out. The roster needs to be overhauled. We need a new head coach. The leading odds right now, from what I've seen, are Bill Belichick. followed by Jim Harbaugh Frank Smith the current offensive coordinator for the Dolphins Kellen Moore Ben Johnson current coordinator offensive coordinator for the Lions Brian Flores former Dolphins head coach Eric Bienieme Dan Quinn Listen, my go-to option, if I were to just uh, go through this list and think about who I want, the easy one is Jim Harbaugh by a country mile. Look at what Jim Harbaugh, now I get it, he has a tough personality. He will drive everyone up a wall at some point. But what he did with the 49ers and turning that ship around in quick order and short order was nothing short of amazing. 2011, 13-3. Remarkable. 2012, NFC champions with Colin Kaepernick putting him in in the middle of the year getting to the Super Bowl a controversial play away from winning the Super Bowl is remarkable Second year 2013 12 and 4 made the playoffs again always good. 2014 is last year eight and eight eh, let go after the year he does drive on people but he was 44 and 19. that is really good. And he demands excellence from everyone. And that's what we need. That's what we need. No more Ned Flanders. No more overcomplicated schemes. It's about toughness. Desire. And the desire to win. The the desire to work. The desire to want to improve. The desire to sacrifice. And that's what this team needs to do. They need the desire. They need to accept. The ability. To sacrifice. And that takes. A head coach. Along with. Leaders on the team. To set the tone. It can't just be the players doing it. Because of Staley. There is different messages being sent which is why I think an option like Bill Belichick, and I know I don't want it. I've said it before when I first heard about these rumors, and I get it. He has the six Super Bowls. He has all, this, all the rings, a great defensive coach. Maybe as a D coordinator, I wouldn't mind him, but he's not going to do that. He has an ego, and six Super Bowls will do that. But when we look at him, and I get it, 38 he has a, an amazing winning percentage as the Patriots head coach. But without Tom Brady and his five years with the Browns, and I know it's the Browns, 36 and 44. And listen, I think Herbert is better than any quarterback the Browns have ever had, especially whoever, you know, during Bill's tenure there. But Bill is 71 years old. Who is he motivating? He's going to bring in his people. Josh McDaniels, who just wrecks the room, who just kills any positive vibes that he walks near. Can't stand the guy. He's a scumbag. He's a cheater. Wish the Raiders would have kept me. He ran him into the ground. I mean, it's funny. But no, I don't want him near anyone. I don't don't want Bill O'Brien. I don't, I don't like him. I don't like his attitude. I think him showing up as quarterbacks is a bunch of dog shit. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like the way he presents himself. Just looks like an angry troll. Can't stand it. Don't want Bill Belichick. I know he's better than anything we've had. Is he better than Staley? Sure. But he's 71. I don't need a 71-year-old head coach just coming in here, get some wins, and set some stupid record. And then what's he going to do? How many years is he going to actually coach? What, three years? And I know the Patriots' defense is looking good, but their offense is horrible. And we already have had issues drafting. I've talked about it ad nauseum. We just suffered through Tom Telesco for nine years. He can't, outside of rounds one and two, he can't draft. Worth anything. Every single draft we can go through. I'm not going to do it right here, right now. But you can go look at his drafts and point out some just horrible selections. Just bad. Baffling. Recently, Jerry Tillery, first-round pick in 2019. Kenneth Murray, first-round pick in 2020. Horrible. The J.C. Jackson signing. You can make an argument. Mike Williams. I mean, the upside was there. But the injuries. Not good. Quentin Johnson. So far, not a good selection. Paying Joey Boza. A mistake. Relying on an old Cleo Mack. Who I love. I love his passion. I believe he cares. But he's old. He's been in the league for 10 years. So, no, I don't want Bill Belichick. We need a coach like Jim Harbaugh. He's not up there in age, but he brings a toughness. Brings energy. Belichick's not going to come in here. They look, That offense for the Patriots looked horrendous. Why would we bring that in? I don't want that. Don't want the Patriots. That, that what Patriot way is outdated. It used to be good. It used to work. It's a new era now. It's a new age. It's a new world. Different times than NFL. Belichick's way of operating is no longer valid, and I don't want it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to see it. So, no, I don't want that. I don't want Belichick coming in here. Brian Flores, um, you know, I know he's a good defensive coach. I know what he did with the Dolphins because you know he's a veteran coach that I would con- I wouldn't be mad at. With the Dolphins, he had a 24 and 25 record. Granted, he didn't have the greatest quarterback situation. He was not a fan of Tua, didn't want to draft him, which made that situation difficult. They were 10 and 6 in 2020. Didn't make the playoffs though and then got canned in 9 and 8. Then we had the lawsuit, the controversy with the Dolphins, Do the Chargers want to get involved with uh, any legal issues or potentially or whatever. Just from a football standpoint, I just, ugh, I don't know. I want, a, I want an offensive coach. I want a coach of energy, and I don't know if that's what we need. I don't know if Brian Flores is what we need. As a D coordinator, he's really good. But I just think we need a guy right now that can just motivate a team. That can change a culture. That has a strong personality. Brian Flores has a strong personality. And, And listen, I'm not trying to imply that his court dealings is a distraction. But I do think we need a clear vision. Because we've had a lot of distractions I mean, we already have a, a Spanos family, which is, you know, that can go unhinged at any moment. I do believe Brian Flores deserves another head coaching opportunity. And just for his sake, I don't know if coming in and dealing with, you know, the Spanos family is something he would enjoy. I think it's more us and not necessarily him. Because the Spanos family, they find a way. They can, they find creative ways to make issues way bigger than they should be, and also creating issues that should not exist. And also Brian Flores. I mean, I know he's a good D coordinator, but his win loss record is eh, not not really getting the appetite going for me. And then Dan Quinn's another one I read off on the leading odds. He's one of the lower tier guys, but I know he's a proven head coach. People are getting excited about Dan Quinn's defenses with the Cowboys and how great they are. And ranking-wise, they are in the top 10 in pretty much every category. That is definitely true. I'm not going to sit here and pretend He's not doing a great job with that defense, but the Cowboys' defense is really, really good. They are arguably the best defense in the league. And quite frankly, I don't want a gym teacher as my head coach. I'm not interested in it. I'm, I am i don't want him being the head coach of his team. We just dealt with Brandon Staley, who was a defensive genius, and when you look at the Falcons under Dan Quinn, they were eight and eight, eleven and five, NFC champions. And then you got the twenty eight three blown lead in the Super Bowl, which is the Chargers in a nutshell of Brandon Staley. Twenty seven nothing blown lead in the championship game. Or in the playoff game. Ten and six. The year after that, seven and nine, seven and nine, oh and five, and he was canned in week five. And even look at the defense rankings, it's not very good. Rush defense in Atlanta was whoa, thirty-first one year, twenty-eighth, nineteenth. Pass defense, fifteenth. Oh, geez, eighteenth, seventeenth, twenty-seventh. Uh, I'm good. Neither and I. Good. Those defensive rankings are horrible. That's what we just dealt with. Why would we? Why would we bring in an older version of Brandon Staley and Dan Quinn, who's a frat boy version, gym teacher? He's gonna eat rocks. He's gonna wear his hat backwards. The players are gonna love him. No, we need a guy with a mentality that has an attitude, and Jim Harbaugh is that guy. I know we have the controversy of Michigan and the sign stealing. To me, it's just dumb. It's a stupid rule. Everyone freaking does it. Now, I'm not saying you should get off the hook for cheating, whatever he did, and whatever consequences. Whatever. But if we're talking as an NFL head coach, he's done a damn good job. He's done a damn good job wherever he's been. At any level, he's a winner and he demands excellence. That's what we need. We don't need guys like Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, who doesn't even know what the hell is going on during a game, Brand Staley, who doesn't know what the hell is going on during a game, doesn't know how to read the temperature in a game, and got out coached by Antonio Pierce. He's been doing this for like five minutes, who just came off the sideline. So, audio is a Brandon Staley. Freaking done. And down goes the conspiracy theory, the fake narrative, that this is all Justin Herbert's fault. It's all not. No, he's not perfect. I've said it over and over again. But this idea that he's the reason they lose is a bunch of BS, and everyone knows it. So if you out there are listening and you keep saying that, you're dumb. You are dumb. For capital D. You're dumb. So lose it. Can it. So we need Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers need to change the culture and a good positive step that We took is getting rid of the GM and getting rid of the head coach. So, all right, switching gears here to some NBA and Draymond Green is in the news again. He was suspended earlier in the week and definitely by the NBA for striking Phoenix Sun center Yosef Nurkic in the face during... Tuesday night's game. Green received a flagrant foul two for striking Nurkic and was ejected for the third time this season. According to the release by the NBA, the indefinite suspension takes into account Green's repeated history of unsportsmanlike acts. And also the Warriors general manager and head coach, Steve Kerr, agent of Draymond Green, Rich Paul announced on Thursday that Draymond Green will be seeking counseling for, I guess, a problem. And, you know, uh, this might be controversial or uncomfortable, and I'm not trying to dismiss mental health, and I believe it is important that we address it as a country because that has forever been ignored over and over and over again. People do often dismiss obvious signs, and it can come from different, whether it's the way you grow up, your childhood, all the way down the line. And it should be something that we need to take seriously and allocate more resources to But Draymond Green has a long rap sheet of acting like an idiot. Acting in a way at the workplace, which people got to remember this. Sure, it might just be basketball for you. It might just be sports to you because I would assume you're going to an office of some sorts, you have to go somewhere to work. A basketball gym is, you know, to the normal persons, not gonna be work. It's gonna be just to have fun or work out. This is a job. Basketball, professional sports is a workplace environment. Draymond Green, at the workplace environment, has continuously. Broken rules. He has continuously shown that he's a dirty player, that he's a cheap shot artist, and a bad teammate. Because let's just go through the big ones. I can sit here all afternoon or all day. I could sit here all day and talk about the laundry list of examples. Let's go with 2016 when he kicked. Steven Adams against the OKC Thunder in the Western Conference Finals, down 3-1. He kicked Steven Adams in the groin. Total Bush League play. NBA warned him about it. Said, if you do it again, we're getting suspended. We're going to do something about it because that's dangerous. He can't do that. That's dirty. Can't do it. So then... They reached the finals, come back against the Thunder. Curry and Clay Thompson were all-time remarkable. People kind of forget about it sneakily because of the end result of the Warriors blowing, blowing a 3-1 lead, but it was remarkable. But Draymond in the finals that started the avalanche, started the collapse, one of the all time collapses in NBA Finals history. Three-one blowing lead never happened and up until that point. LeBron and Kyrie went off after Draymond Green kicked LeBron in the groin after he was warned before that he was gonna get suspended if he did it again, and right on the schedule he did it again. So he's gone. Listen, I don't love players being suspended in big games, whether it's the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, whatever. But if you were warned prior to making the Finals, that if you did it again, you were going to get told to sit down. So Draymond should have known better. You can't do that anyway. That's just dirty. You can't kick a guy in the groin. Then he called the B-word and the and the Minister of Punishment at that time was sitting right there and they heard it. Calling LeBron the B-word wasn't the reason why he was suspended, but the, the groin kick was, but it, that didn't help. So he gets suspended and the Warriors collapse. LeBron and Kyrie were remarkable, both... Essentially averaging forty points a game. I mean, it was freaking ridiculous what they did. All time great. And Kyrie hits the shot of shots, game seven at Oracle to win that series. So and so he blew that. Draymond Green blew that situation. And then in twenty eighteen, he had a game at Clippers. There's already rumors about KD leaving the Warriors to go to either the Knicks or the Nets. Ended up going to the Nets. And then Draymond Green, which he does usually bring the ball up the court, but then KD wanted the ball up the court. He wanted the ball. He wanted to bring up. He wanted to initiate the offense. And he's clapping his hands for Draymond Green to give it to him. And Draymond Green ignores him, kind of weirdly accelerates, out of control. Fumbles the ball out of bounds off his foot. turnover. over the scrappy clippers. Pre-Kawhi and PG-13. Win that game. But in the middle of all that. In the huddle after that play. Draymond Green calls KD the B-word. Because KD lets Draymond hear about it. Because he just blew the game. And Draymond goes calls in the B word and says, we were already great without you. And Katie said later on after the fact that, yeah, that's a big reason why I left. And then you have after the NBA finals, after the warriors rise up after a sabbatical for a couple of years, rise up 2022, beat the Celtics, won the championship. Boom. Everything's good. Jordan Poole, you know, Fourth, Splash Brother. Clay had a good moments after his injuries. Big, big achievement for the Warriors. Arguably probably their best championship they've won. Then, in training camp, Jordan Poole. And I get it, he's immature. We're seeing that with the Wizards right now. He says a lot of bad, controversial stuff. That's kind of like knucklehead. Knucklehead-ish. And then we go in to training camp. And Draymond cold clocks his teammate. You can't cold clock your coworker and expect everything to go well. The Warriors let it slide essentially. They don't the league never steps in. Video gets leaked. And unfortunately in society, when the video gets leaked, it changes changes the perception because the Warriors, to me, I wouldn't have been shocked if they let it go. So they ship off Jordan Poole after a year, after a miserable season where they were nine wins on the road, 39 losses. And the Warriors tried to downplay it, said, and you know it's not not a big deal. Then after the season, oh, Steve Kerr and all, and you know all these guys in the Warriors talk about, yeah, kind of a big deal. Now they still openly talk about it. Steve Kerr a couple days ago when he addressed the Indefinite suspension. Brought it up, and he could have severely injured Jordan Poole. He could have ended his career. Cause that was a, that was a real punch. That was not some slap. And then we go into the playoffs. This past playoffs in April, Draymond steps on Sabonis. Warriors Kings steps on his chest, like leans into it. Could have cr- severely injured him. I mean he. Luckily, he wasn't after x-rays and all that because the Kings were like, whoa, like, you could have cracked his ribs. Totally dangerous, dirty play. So dirty, it's all-time dirty, and Draymond got suspended. Acting like an idiot, went on his podcast, said a bunch of stuff, said he's not going to change I mean, just total nonsense. And then we fast forward again to this season. Draymond and I know uh, Timberwolves, Warriors, McDaniel's, and Clay got into it for some stupid reason. But then, yes, Rudy Gobert did grab Clay, and you can't do that. And that's usually the code: that hey, you you grab your own teammate, you don't grab the opposing team's teammate. You let someone else do deal with that. Because then you're gonna start a problem and, and Rudy Gobert did start that. And yes, Draymond Green and Rudy and Rudy Gobert do not like each other. Draymond thinks Rudy Gobert is soft. He's caught him out on podcast. And listen, I am not I don't know Rudy Gobert. I'm not I don't know anything about him. I have no issues with him. He was, you know, irresponsible during COVID, touching microphones and putting his face on them when we knew nothing about the disease right at the beginning of it that kicked it off I don't like him for that and also yeah he does have some soft characteristics he's not an alpha he's the guy that Jimmy Butler doesn't like just you know doesn't have the desire the attitude to get your hands dirty And Draymond put him in a chokehold. He put him in a headlock. Can't do it. And he went on for quite a bit. He dragged him up the floor. Dangerous. Can't do it. You can knock someone out. Cold. And then fast forward. He apologizes. Typical BS responses. And says he won't do it again. And then bam. He gets suspended indefinitely. Because he tries to take out Nurkic. Yosef Nurkic. And then he goes in and says it was an accident. No, if you watch it, if you watch that play, that was not an accident. Because everything Draymond does is an accident. And I use all those examples to get to the point that might be controversial and uncomfortable for some. But when you have a blatant track record, and we let, and listen, the first event I brought up, and that's, there's a whole bunch in between then, that was back in 2016. The groin kick, both of them were in 2016. A lot of time has passed by since in six, almost seven years. The NBA and the Warriors have enabled him. They have enabled Draymond Green to act like a complete jackass and a dirty player. They don't take a stand. And, I, and listen, I don't know what's going on in Draymond's life, but we can't just magically cook up in the lab the excuse that he's having a mental problem. He needs to own up to it too. Get the help that you need. I'm not saying he doesn't not need any. I'm not saying that's a fake narrative, but we need to address what he did, what he has done. And he is screwing this team over and over again. 2016 finals. Could have won another one. Could have more rings. Cold clocked Jordan Poole. Erased any possibility of a repeat. ruined the chemistry of the team. Everyone's admitting it now. And then back-to-back issues in less than almost a month. Choking Rudy Gobert. And then almost knocking out Nurkic. Dangerous, dirty place. Can't have it. And almost knocking out Sabonis. And Draymond Green, the NBA, if the NBA is serious, if Draymond Green comes back and does this again, they need to suspend him for the rest of the year and parts of next year. One more slip up and he's gone because there's only so much you can take. I mean, I'm not trying to compare Ja Morant and Draymond to each other because Ja has other issues. That are, you know, substance related and you know, guns, acting like an idiot on tell on uh social media. Same thing for John Moran. One more thing, and you're gone for a long time. Draymond needs to be held accountable. And his past offenses do matter. He cannot be treated like everyone else. He he's blown that chance repeatedly over and over again in major major ways and at some point if you're the warriors when is enough enough when will they decide to trade him because i believe they should think about it seriously because how many more of these are, are you going to take how many more of these? Are, how many more of these how many more seriously how many more times are we going to do this if you're the Warriors? If Draymond Green goes through whatever he needs to go through and comes back the same exact way, then I'm done. And he needs to be done. Because this cannot go on anymore. Because one of these incidents, we're lucky this hasn't exploded into a malice of the palace type of situation, which the league never wants to happen again trust me if David Stern was still the GM Draymond would have been canned a long time ago David Stern would have put an end to this Adam Silver needs to build a backbone and put his foot down and take control of Draymond Green and take control of the situation because he let John Moran off the hook he's looked weak in a lot of these situations so Step up and hold your league accountable. As with other leadership positions, the buck stops with you, and you haven't been delivering on holding people accountable. And Draymond Green from the Warriors in the league hasn't been held accountable. And there's too many examples to go through. And it's impacting the Warriors because... Draymond's a big part of their offense still. and I've talked about it before and from a basketball standpoint how it's impacting the team because it's the only way they can win without Draymond is if Steph goes crazy and that's pretty much how they've been winning this year. So the Warriors it might be over. And I hate to bury them because I love Steph Curry. I-, I thought heading into the year they could be a potential championship contender or threat to the Nuggets, and I don't see it. I just don't see it. I don't see it from this team this season, and the Draymond situations do not help at all. Okay, so switching gears to more NBA. The Milwaukee Bucks continued to pour it on on offense. Giannis is having a great, great season. He dropped 64 points earlier in the week against the Pacers a career high, a franchise high. And right now, right now I have Joel Embiid. If I were to put MVP candidates I have Dwell B number one, and Giannis, 1A one, one or 1B, however you want to do it. They are both playing remarkable. The Bucks are 17-7. Dame and Giannis haven't even gelled on offense yet, and they are just ex- so explosive on offense. They are the most explosive team on offense in the league, and it's not even close. The Bucks and I've said it over and over again when we talk about them, I know the defense is an issue, Now we will get to that in a second. But their offense with Lillard and Giannis is only going to get better, and it's already pretty damn great because they have games where they scored 128 points, 130, 132, 142, 142, the 129 against Washington. Defense was bad and they got to get that fixed immediately or they're going to be in some trouble. And we knew they were going to have a drop-off with losing Drew Holiday. And I do believe they need to make a move or two. Like, do they consider bringing back P.J. Tucker if he can take a pay cut? But they do need, they need to make a move to square up the defense. And also, Adrian Griffin is a young coach, so that's going to be an issue that they got to address. But man, they can damn score. I mean, they got one oh eight. They got one thirty one, one thirty two, one forty six a couple um, days ago against the Knicks. One forty six to one twenty two, just remarkable. And then just last um, this week, one thirty three against the Bulls. Revenge game against the Pacers, one forty, and then last night. 146 against the Lonely Pistons, who lose yet again. What is that? 23 in a row now? Just ridiculous for the Pistons. But Monty Williams, I, I, I've talked about it before. Long ways to go for that team. And I'm going to talk about them soon. But that's tough. That's tough for them. Tough for the Pistons, but the, the Bucks are really good. They're going to be in the mix come postseason time because I believe, if you just look at Eastern Conference for what it is, the two top teams, I do believe, are the Bucks and the Celtics. I think they are the two best teams. My dark horses are the Miami Heat and the 76ers. And, and, and I was talking about it the other day. Joel Embiid's playing really, really, really good. But can I trust Maxie in a key situation to step up? Miami Heat, they went all in on Dame. They tried to. But can they figure it out? Can they get it done? Can they? Bam, Jimmy, can he do it again? Can Jamie Jaquez Jr. step up? He's a great young player, but he's a damn rookie. Not Dame. Can Duncan Robinson show up in the playoffs for once? Tyler Heroes banged up. To me, I I do believe it does come down right now. If I had to bet money, it would be on the Bucs. And then the second team would be the Celtics. And the Celtics, I've talked about it over over again. I know what they can do in the regular season. I know what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I got my problems with them. And that comes in the postseason. They can win all these games in December, January february march but i care what you do in april may and june that's what it all comes down to all this what we're in right now in december is dress rehearsal for april may and june because it's too it's down the business the bucks and i and i just trust them more i trust their roster a lot more i trust that team i trust dame with his scoring ability his ability to hit clutch shots, because, listen, I'm not saying he's perfect, but he he elevated, he meant a lot to the Trailblazers. He took them places they hadn't been to in quite a while. Since their lonely championship back in the 1970s, when Bill Walton was with the team a long time ago. It's tough. It's a tough place to win. Dame elevated them. He got to the Western Conference Finals. He is more than capable, and we've seen Giannis and most of this group get it done before. I know Chris Middleton's not Chris Middleton from two years ago, but if he can just get a little bit healthy, I do believe he can have an impact because Giannis is on a crazy man tear, I mean, he is scoring points left and right. He has so many 40, 30-point outburst games. It's ridiculous. I mean, you have the 64-point game earlier in the week against the Pacers. You have 32, 37, 35, 32, 42, 40, 54 early on against the Pacers. It's ridiculous. Giannis is making the case if he wins the championship he will reclaim best player in the NBA. And now don't get it twisted it made me sick seeing Dame end up with the Bucks and I do and I did blame part of that on Pat Riley. You got to get that deal done, man. Got to get that deal done. We didn't get it done. We should have Dame with the Miami Heat, but the Bucks right now. I do believe long-term, the Celtics, right now, I do give them credit. They do look better. When I just just do the eye test, when I watch the Celtics, when I watch them play in the regular season, when it's not April, May, and June, they look really good. But do I trust Jason Tatum in a seven-game series matched up against Giannis in a seven-game series? In the head coach situation, if no moves are made, is a wash because Joe Missoula is young. Adrian Griffin is also young. So, because the best head coach in the league resides down in Miami. That's where the best head coach in the league resides. Eric Spolstra. But the Bucks, if we're talking about a team, with their size, with, with the two Lopez brothers... Bobby Portis and what he can do. They got a solid squad. Then you add Dame to the mix. If they add in another piece or two, veteran or two, they can play tough defense, make timely threes. And if Chris Middleton can get healthy, they will be, I believe, the best team in the East when we get into playoff mood basketball, which is where we're heading. That's going to be the end result. That's going to be the end destination for this NBA season like any other, like any other season. Okay, so that's enough for the NBA Christmas Day games coming up around the corner. Looking forward to that and looking forward to watching what the Bucks do the rest of of the regular season. All right, says so switching gears now to my guy Cam Newton here to wrap up the show. Cam made some comments this week that became controversial, and Cam's made some controversial comments from a societal standpoint that I didn't necessarily agree with, but I do believe Cam. For whatever the reason may be, you can fill in the blank in your own manner. But I do believe Cam has been one of those players, whether it's on the field and whatever, and his regular life that has been often criticized and I believe disrespected more often than he should. I mean, we are talking about a league, former league MVP. And he made some comments earlier this week that offended some a lot of people in the mainstream media, which he's done before, and also 49ers and Cowboys fans. And Cam, he, called, he referred to Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott as game managers. Game managers. They're not difference makers in a game. And people took offense to that. And then Cam had to come out on Friday and extend the clarification. Even though it, it should have been clear. Because I think what we do in society. A lot. And you know in sports. Politics we love to hear what we want to hear because we are biased we are human beings whether we know it or not we are being biased all the time and a lot of I mean in a lot of times in sports we are biased because for some reason one reason or another people in the media always find two ways to nitpick cam Newton whether on the field, and whether it's his goofy outfits, which, you know, not my cup of tea, but he can do what he wants. That shouldn't be a reason to disrespect the guy and discount his opinion when he's a former league MVP and got his team to the Super Bowl. Like, when he refers to Dak and Brock Purdy, Jared Goff and Tua, those are game managers. They manage the game. That doesn't mean they're terrible. Tua, prior to Mike, Mc- Mike McDaniel, who I wouldn't mind as my head coach, I kind of like the guy. I mean, he's not everyone's cup of tea. A little nerdy. Definitely in his own his own world to a certain extent. But I like it. Good offensive genius. Good offensive coach. He turned Tua around. Tua manages the game. When the game goes off script, like we saw earlier in the week, last week, when they played the Titans, Tua got off script without Tyreek Hill. Didn't look good. Jared Goff, when they, when it gets off script, when his teammates that, when they played against us, they look really, really good. They were running the ball, dominated the line of scrimmage, both lines of scrimmage. 215 yards rushing, 333 through the air. He was remarkable, had time to throw the ball, cooking all afternoon. Big time. But when he plays other teams that are competent on defense, eh, not very good. Dak, eh. He plays against the 49ers of some real team, doesn't look very good. He even struggled against us. Purdy. Now, if I were to rank these guys, and listen, I don't like rankings in general. Because I believe, I mean, sure, they're fun, and I do them once in a while. I make lists. I don't really have rankings, but if I were to pick a team, if I had to pick between Dak, Goff, and Tua, Purdy, I was stuck in an island, and these were the only guys I had to pick. It would be Purdy. I would say he's the best out of all of them. I believe it's better than Jared Goff, a better, you know, better than Tua, better than Dak. I've never been a Dak guy and not a Tua guy either. Goff's not... He's had his moments, but sure, he got to a Super Bowl, but can you sit back and say he was the reason they got to a Super Bowl? No. Like, all these quarterbacks, they could reach... Purdy could reach a Super Bowl, and everyone if they're logical about this, we'll say, yeah, uh, it was just because if he has Debo Samuel, Kyle Shanahan, and a well-strong foundation. Like, compared to the Chargers, who have a rotating cast of coaches every three to four years. Got the quarterback, got a few big names, but you don't have that culture, which is what we need. But what Cam said is not wrong. And people attacking him it's ridiculous. Total Bush league. I saw what people said earlier in the week calling him basically an idiot for what he said. And no, he's not an idiot. He if, it, if he knows better, he knows better than guys that wear suit like me, just rambles on a microphone. He would know much better than me about how quarterbacks are playing. Like Being a game manager is not a negative statement just means you manage the game. You're not going to make a difference. Cam is a difference maker. He was a difference maker when he played. Josh Allen's a difference maker type of quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. Trevor Lawrence, the verdict's out on him. I believe he needs to follow a script. Jalen Hurts needs to follow a script. Some quarterbacks need to follow a script. That's the way it works. And Cam, when he played in his career for the Panthers, a Panthers organization that is not not well run, went from one racist owner to our owner who's a psychopath, and David Tepper, he's firing coaches every other year. I mean, every year. I mean, uh, they had Frank Reich, and he lost at a grand total of, what, nine games? It was pathetic. They're just running through guys, making bad decisions. I mean, I can't say much. I mean, our, our our house is not in order. Anyway, but Cam, what he did in 2015 was remarkable, all-time remarkable, 15-1, and regular season. Like, that doesn't just happen by accident. So we talk about all these, because I mean, people, especially in today's media, love to make a big deal about QB wins, which I believe is a stupid stat. This is way different than, than, than the NBA. and In and, and the NBA, when there's only five guys on a court, there's only 12 to 15 guys on a team, I expect stars to make plays. It, it, it's a different, different setup in football. You need all 11 guys to get, do their job. On offense and defense. Coaching staff, too. There's a lot of different factors weather. But that year, Cam was so damn amazing. 315 against the Saints that year. Big game. Just remarkable. Big game. That, that Seattle game. 269 yards. Made a clutch touchdown drive. And listen, he was working with His best receiver was Greg Olson. He had no running game. He had an old running back. His best receivers were Ted Ginn Jr. and Jericho Cottry. No more Steve Smith. He was getting wins. I mean, total domination. He was the driving force for that Panthers team. That Falcons game that year, he had the big run. 38-0. 38-0. Blew them off the field. And then went into the playoffs against Russell Wilson, who I've said it over and over again, overrated. They did have the Legion of Boom. Cam with remarkable. 16-22. He had that huge 27-yard touchdown run. Blew the Seahawks out. And then the demolition against the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game. 49 to 15. 335 yards Cam and that offense exploded. He had an 86 yard touchdown pass, 47 rushing yards on top, two rushing touchdowns, MVP, 35 touchdowns, 10 picks that season. Should have run the won the Super Bowl, but went up against Vaughn Miller and that Denver defense with a beat up Payne Manning, noodle-armed Payne Manning. Rough day at the office, but man, if the O-line and his receivers would have catched the football and the defense didn't get sh- run over, they could have won. But hey, Vaughn Miller was really, really good that game. They sacked Cam six times. The O-line's got to help him out. I mean, we've seen that with Justin Herbert. But Cam is not some joke. People... Need to put some respect on his name. Like, I'm sick and tired of seeing him just disrespected and how people just scoff at him like he's some side joke. He's been in some tough... He was drafted by the Panthers, who are not a well-run franchise. I mean, I believe Cam can still play. I know the last time we saw him was, you know, as a sideshow joke with the Panthers... Because David Tepper felt bad and then brought him back and didn't look good. But teams, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks. The Jets could have used a quarterback. The You know, Titans, they're looking for one. The Patriots are looking for a quarterback. The Steelers need a quarterback. The Browns need a quarterback right now. And they're in the playoffs. I believe Cam could step in and do a great job for them. The Buccaneers have quarterback futures, question marks. The Rams, maybe, Seahawks. There's a lot of teams. Bears, they don't know. I mean, you could have used a placeholder this year. Commanders. You know, go down the list. Vikings. They needed a quarterback. Joshua Dobbs is not the answer to filling for Kirk Cousins. I mean, who knew that? So... When we look at big picture, Cam's over-criticized, and it's not, not surprising. And what he said was not controversial. Dak, Goff, Tua, and Purdy are not. They're backpack quarterbacks. They're on the high end. They're game managers. The second their production starts going down, like Jimmy Garoppolo, they'll be out the door. That's how it works. That's how it works. And Cam told no lies. He didn't, say any, he, didn't, he didn't say any lies. Where's the lie? Just people get bent out of shape. So. All righty. Swinging it back to the Chargers before we wrap it up here. Hey, Brandon Staley got fired. Tom Telesco is gone. That's a positive sign. 63 21, but it paid off. Maybe that will get the Spano's family to change their ways, according to that statement I read at the top of the show. Maybe we can get them to change. We need someone like Jim Harbaugh to come in and change this ship around. Get a high draft pick. Get these bad apples out of here. Get these bad contracts out of here. And let's start winning. Let's start fixing this. And that's how we do it. Got to start somewhere. Alrighty, that is it for this edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.